At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Hey, everybody. I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is strange indeed. A podcast dedicated to this show, you. Today we'll be covering the third episode titled Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, but not quite. Kind of like the ending there. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I haven't laughed so hard at like a show we've watched in such a long time. Oh my goodness. Um yeah, that was interesting. You had a little Mork thing going on there for a minute there. You came in on your intro. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, do a little Mork and Mindy for everyone today. That's super fun. Well, I'm really excited to start talking about this one. So I think we should just jump into our top five because there's a lot of fun things to dive into, especially that ending because yeah. I know we're going to get to it. We're going to talk about it. That's so, the, I mean, the shortest <laughs> part of that episode, but I think we could spend the most time on it. We could probably spend the most time talking about it, laughing about it, joking <laughs> about it. Um, yeah. But that's okay. We'll get there. So I'll I'll start off this week. Um, my number five um, is titled "To Write or Not to Write." Um, so I, I I talked about this I think in the first episode that I was already kind of getting those vibes from Beck. But I'm really just inclined to just stop believing that Beck moved to New York to write. Uh, I mean, are we supposed to be rooting for her because I'm not? Um, this is supposed to be her passion. She's always finding an excuse to not write. Um, she's always going out with her friends. She'll call up Joe and say, hey, let's go shopping. Um, it's like I never see any meaningful effort from her to write. And even Joe, in his moment of panic, calls her out on it. Yeah. I mean, he kind of – he was you know clearly panicked and was having a moment himself. But even he said uh, – what's he say? He says, I think you can complain about not being able to write, but then you, know, you drop everything for some medical emergency, which, by the way, many believe to be psychosomatic in origin. So even he calls her out in it. And I'm just um, – you know, I'm just kind of aggravated by her because I'm like just – you know, you, you have to dedicate yourself. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not a writer. I have had to write. I do um, like to write. I used to write poetry, but I'm by no means, you know, I'm no Stephen King. Uh, by any means, as far as a novel writer. But that's the thing that, you know, even he'll tell you that you have to dedicate yourself, whether you feel like it or not, you have to go and sit down and, and write. And it might be good. It might be awesome. It might stink up to high heaven, but you have to dedicate yourself to write. And it seems like she just doesn't have that commitment at all. Um, what are your thoughts? It's, it's interesting. Like, I think a lot of times when people go to college, cause I had, uh, in college I was, had that like thought of like, Oh my God, I want to be a writer. Cause I like telling stories and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I had that creative writing type of class where everybody feels very pretentious and not quite to the scale mm. that she had, but definitely yeah. where, where like 
there, there was kids in there like, oh my God, like if it wasn't for this, like I could be a great writer. Like my writing is just going to be undiscovered. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely, I don't, in this day and age, I really don't know what makes a good writer mm-hmm. because there are a lot of people that write things. I don't know if it's just because it's more of quantity than quality, maybe. Yeah. Like in this day and age, you know, um, like she could finish college. She could write a novel and get it published on Amazon. She may not become famous, but she could do that pretty easily. Sure. At least fulfill like a goal or a passion or something. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, like I said, about a few years ago when I started the podcast, I kind of had that stuff going. And and she said one line in here that was really kind of telling to me, um, just in a general of like somebody who aspires to write, but kind of sees that there's a, a giant hill in front of you. Like, you know, you know, it's just like anything like podcasting or writing. As you do those things, there's just so many other people out there doing them that might be better than you. Mm-hmm. That even if you try to cut out every minute of your day to do this thing, you still might not be good enough. And right. the the line she said that kind of is something that I think about. I think is she's like, I'm one terrible page away from confirming I'm the worst writer in history. Yeah. And I feel like ever since, like, even college, when I was writing in there, I was like, I was waiting for somebody to be like, you're awful, stop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, like, the podcast I've done with Rich or, like, um, some of the stuff I've wrote and submitted to things, like, it, it almost would be easier for somebody to crush my dream instead of me still chasing it. Yeah. Because it is such a, like, it it's a time suck because, you know, like, when I have lunchtime, I would – that's all I do over lunches, you know, instead of just, you know, going out and eating lunch or, you know, messing around on the internet, I, I write, you know, like, you know, I started mm-hmm. writing scripts or right now I'm just getting into writing kind of like tabletop games. Um, but it's just that, that, that line she said kind of makes me feel like she's just, she wants to do it, but she's scared to do it. Yeah. But on the other side, I, I see, I see what you're saying though, because there are a lot of people who kind of have that like, well, Oh, I just like I want to. I'm a writer, but they don't put in the, the effort to be a writer. You know what I mean? Right. And I think a lot of things that throw me mm. off about this show too. And I really kind of like. I think this episode kind of confirmed it for me. Is you know we see them in college. We see her in college anyway. But I don't know how old the actress is. But they seem and look about my age, about like you know late twenties, early thirties. Mm-hmm. And so when I see her doing these things, I almost think of somebody who's like just kind of jumped on the train late is like trying to like they're not like, you know, a fresh college kid trying to you know chase this dream. It's like, oh, you're a 30 something who's, you know, just getting into this writing thing, which is kind of what I did, I guess. I don't know if that right. makes sense or not, but that's kind of something that, that kind of was very clear in this episode where I think they're playing 22, 23 year olds, but really they feel and look like they're more like my age. Yeah. And I get that. I, I get the fact that, you know, anytime that you're a writer, if it's poetry, novels, short stories, um, you know, any type of writing that, uh, even songwriting, songwriters have, uh, have expressed the same thing that it's like kind of like bearing your soul and it's, it's making yourself vulnerable. It's putting yourself out there. And I totally get that and I respect it. But I feel like you, if you love it that much, that there's just something in you that you just, you have to do it. Like good, bad, um, you know, if you suck, 
you know, and you're the worst writer ever, but you're extremely passionate about it, you at least have to try. How are you going to know if you're any good or if this is what you should be doing if you don't at least put some damn pen to paper? Yeah, well, for sure. <laughs> you know, put it out there. And it's like she can't even get it out. Um, she might be awesome. She might suck. And, you know, I, I think I talked to you about this uh, way back, you know, whenever you and I first started po- podcasting. You'd been podcasting a little while. It's first time for me. You know, I kind of dabbled a little bit co-hosting with some, um, you know, friends in the podcast network on other podcasts but like as far as you know uh having something to say every week i kind of expressed the same thing i thought oh my gosh why would anybody want to listen to me uh, people are going to hate me who who's to say i have anything to say it's not exactly writing but it's definitely kind of the same field where you're kind of putting yourself out there you know to be out in the public and out to be judged and and people can say mean things about you and you know critique you terribly and it still eats me up terribly <laughs> But I've kind of let a lot of it go. I've had some time to kind of let it pass. You've been really great to me and and, and advising me. Jason's been really great about, you know, pep talking me about like trying not to focus on that and not not Mm -hmm. be the focus. So that does help. But so I I do get that part. But it's like if you don't at least try, you know – if you fail, then that okay. There's nothing wrong with failing. And I just – I'm like, you know, if – I don't know. I feel like if you're just really that passionate about something and, and I mean, cause it seems like she went to great lengths, you know, she's really sacrificing a lot. She, she, she's broke, you know, she's in these dire straits. She went through all of this with her professor, all because she wants to live in New York. She feels that's where she needs to be, to be a writer. And it's like, if you're, you're, you're doing all of this for, for this passion of yours and what you feel that this is what you need to do in life and you can't seem to, to, you know, sit yourself down to even put out this short story, at least in this episode, you know, they have to, they get assigned that short story for their, uh, workshop. And I'm like, and you can't even do that. You can't even put together a draft to submit to your yeah. fellow, you know, students or classmates or, you know, uh, I know she's a TA. So I guess whatever group that they're in, you know, and it's like, you can't even do that. And it's just, it's, I'm just frustrated with her. Um, but I, I do get her feelings on that, you know, feeling like, she's one page from failing or something. Cause I think anybody who's any, any type of creative outlet, any kind of type of artist, you feel that yeah. you don't well, have to be a writer. It's, it's, it's like any kind of creative stuff. It's totally artistic or more like artistic realms is it's very subjective. So mm-hmm. you know, like I always loved like song lyrics because I loved like dissecting them and like figure out what they meant. And yeah, you know, as I listened to songs, I would like try to like play, okay, how would the music video look for this? So, you know, definitely using those as inspiration for like telling a story and mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it just takes somebody to, that's why I always think like whenever people say like, it doesn't take much effort to encourage an artist because mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's such a difficult world to get into. I think now that um, it can be kind of like looking at Everest times two because yes, you know it's like, hey, I've got this script. What do I do with it? Well, what have you done? Uh, nothing. Oh, okay. Well, great. I've got <laughs> seventy other scripts I got today exactly. from people in the same boat as you. I know. Like, what makes you special? Because it's so diluted from all different, you know, writing and, um, you know, whether it's books and songs or anything creative. There's so many other artists and people yeah. out there that, like, what makes you stand out? What makes you so good? And just makes that fear of failure even bigger. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, if she is, like, in that 22, I don't know what she wants to write. She just wants to write a novel or what she wants to do. But um, it almost seems more like if she wants to do, like, a novel, she just probably needs to not do school and do that. Cause I don't, you know, 
I've talked with numerous people about this. Like it doesn't seem like there's much you can learn about being a writer in school besides getting like the, the feedback from people. Exactly. But yep, that's true. That's that's very good thoughts. I like that. Yep, it's good. All right. Well, that's my number five. What you got? My number five, I just simply titled Three Day Old Benji. <laughs> so we did get to see Benji die. He's a little um, ripe. <laughs> and uh, Joe does a good job trying to keep him uh, you know, stable until he gets the nerve up to dispose of him. Mm-hmm. Now, I had talked last episode about feeling like at first in the episode, I was like, okay, Joe's just a creeper. He's not like this serial killer-esque type person. And at the end of the episode, I'm like, oh, cool. I was wrong because I kind of want to see that story. Like I want to see this like guy that we kind of are on the side of, but then like kind of like be like, this is like almost an evil guy. Mm-hmm. But in this episode, we learn he can't get up the nerve to to bust out the teeth of Benji so he can dispose of him. So yep. this is very obviously the first time he's ever done anything like this. Yep. Um, he still has very little remorse about it, um, as we see when he disposed of the body. But it was still kind of um, – not to say that this this doesn't make me like the show, but it's definitely kind of made me more interested. Like, okay, what are they doing with this? Like, what is this Joe guy really? So it's it's more intriguing, but it's definitely kind of like not the direction I thought they were going to go. Yeah. I I totally agree. And that is actually my number four. So I'm just what I have for my number four, I'm just gonna chime in on your thoughts on your number five. Um so a little bit about what I was thinking is like we find out that he was in there for three whole days. And I'm like, dude, um it just it it's it's a little unrealistic for me. Um, because it's like what did he think was gonna happen as far as, you know, him starting to decompose? Yeah. I mean, I, I realized that the I guess the the temperature was oh what, sixty five or something like that. Something Humidity like that, was yeah. set it so it's a it's it's a decently low ish temperature, but it's definitely not like what they would use in the morgue, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I've never been in a morgue, but it's I pretty think it's gotta be chill. Least in the 40s like yeah. just above freezing i'm thinking of the refrigerator section at the at the supermarket yeah, yeah i've never been in a morgue and i honestly haven't looked up to see what standard temperatures are or and i know they keep them in coolers and then they bring them out and do autopsies and things like that but it's still got to be kind of chill they're sitting out there for a little bit um so it's like what did he think was going to happen and i'm like you i think this is his first go around at least with the body disposal because he didn't even know what he was going to do with the body he he was like oh well i'll just do what i did the last time you know yeah, when i yeah. got rid of so and so he and instead of leaving like a Google trail, which was probably the one smart thing that he had going for him because, you know, hey, we all know forensically they can pull your, uh, you know, your history. Stuff, yeah. yeah, search histories and things like that. Even if you delete stuff, they can pull all that shit out of your computer. They have uh, computer forensic people, FYI, if you're wanting to like Google how to do that shit. Um, <laughs> don't Google is what I suggest because um, they'll pull it. Um, I, uh, I read a story about, I think it was somebody, it was a writer, I think, who was writing about like this kind of like story of like a, a wife that's trying to plan to kill her husband. So she was like Googling all these different things. Oh. I think she got like a knock on the door one day because like, all these things kind of added up over a couple of months period of time. Oh, wow. So like the FBI agent in your computer is real and they're really yeah. looking up that stuff. I got to start being more careful because I'm, <laughs> 
I'm not like planning anyone's death by any means, <laughs> but I'm a really morbid person. So I'll Google some weird shit. Um, I would be scared. I think if I was an outsider and pulled my search history sometimes, because it's like, <laughs> what the hell has she got going on? Um, we don't want to know. Um, so God forbid I get a knock on my door someday because, um, you know, that's not going to look very good. However, I don't have any of the, the the stuff Joe did. You know, I don't have any duct tape and rope and, um, or, you know, the standard serial killer, uh, you know, body disposal or burying a body, getting rid of a body. I don't have any lime, um, in my house or anything like that. So, but yeah, I just thought that was super interesting. I kind of thought, you know, um, seeing how he couldn't, like you said, go through with like knocking his teeth out to leave behind any dental records. And it, he, he physically got ill from just the thought of it. And I thought, dang, he's, he's not, he's not quite a sadistic. I mean, it's like, he's able to kind of I feel like, like you said, when he was finally able to like, okay, I just need to focus on getting rid of Benji. And, you know, he is able to finally kind of wrap him up in that rug. He kind of just saw like, it's almost like he was able to kind of displace himself a little bit yeah. um, out, out of himself and, um, and just focus on the task and, and just think that it's not really him doing it. Kind of. Um, yeah. You know, I think that's, I don't know. I think I've heard like whenever I would hear interviews with some serial killers. Some, some of them are kind of like, they feel like it's not really them. It's like they're, they're, they're looking at themselves oh, yeah, yeah. doing this act or they're doing this thing to the, to the person, their, their victim, but they don't really feel like it's them doing it. So I wonder if that's how he was kind of feeling in the moment, which. And that's you know. what I'm, I'm really curious about with the show because he doesn't like, I'm starting to think more and more like he's not a serial killer type of person. Mm-hmm. Like if you go to like this episode and go back to when he gave Benji the peanut oil, Mm-hmm. He probably legitimately was like trying to figure out if he was or wasn't lying. And when he found out he was lying, he's just like, oh, okay, well, I didn't kill you. You just kind of killed yourself. But now exactly. I have this thing I have to take care of. Right. Yeah. So. Like he's just, he's just thinking of this is, this is just a task he has to do. He knows he's got oil in his mind. He's got to get rid of Benji um, and get him completely removed from Beck's life so she can get over him and yeah. realize Joe's the one. It's just, you know, this is just something that has to be done. He's looking at it very black and white and factual. Cause even with that, I think, I don't think he's like, Oh, I gotta get, I think part of it is like, I gotta get rid of this body because things are going to look bad for me. Mm-hmm. But I also think he's like, Oh, I have to get rid of this body because if, you know, she finds out that Benji's dead, she's going to mourn him and look past me. So right. I think it's more of the fact that he just can't have her mourning Benji's death. That's what gets exactly. him in that state. Exactly. Good thoughts. Yeah. Well, like so that. you added on, yeah. do you have anything else to add on your number four then? No, I think we pretty much said everything I wanted to say on your five and my four. So my okay. So my number four, uh, we kind of find out that uh, Beck is not being like fully invested in Joe. <laughs> what and, are you uh, saying? Sean? She she goes into a couple <laughs> Tinder dates. Um, now this was one where I like you talked about some of the things that kind of annoy you with Beck, and mm-hmm. I'm not. This is one thing that kind of annoyed me about her. Um, I'm glad I didn't grow up in the Tinder age. Um, not mm. because I would be a user of Tinder, but I feel like I would be in the shoes of Joe where I'd find like, you know, taking out all the weird, crazy stuff from this, but like, you know, boy meets girl, like they hit it off, you know? And to me, whenever like you're starting to do that talking with somebody, like I kind of think like you cut sex off with other people. Right. In my opinion. Right. I know you might be like, you're a prude. I'm like, well, I just think that's 
tough to explain. Like, oh yeah, we were we were like hitting it off and stuff, but I still banged three girls before you know we hung out. Right. Um, and I I don't know. It's so going on Tinder was kind of just like. And not even just Tinder, like the bartender, like, you know, like all it took the was Warby like, Parker hey, <laughs> bartender. yeah, I like your tattoo. Oh, I don't have a tattoo. And then they're banging and Joe's yeah. watching, of course. I know. Um, gosh, I don't think you're a prude at all. I think you're probably a little traditional and that's okay. I, I, I kind of feel the same way. I, um, in my, I felt like in my day it was more. Of if you're talking to someone, you're starting to date someone, it's kind of this, there wasn't, you didn't have to, I feel, have as many conversations about it as you do today. I feel like today, I think, is a terrible time for some people. Some people are having a great time with it. Others struggle a little bit um, if they've been, haven't been single in a while and are adapting to how it's changed in the last how many years. I won't reveal on my side um since since uh dating has happened um so it's not a bad thing but i feel like you have to have so many conversations about it now like are you are we exclusive yeah oh yeah yeah you know you have to like today you have to have those conversations because people are just with with tinder and all this online dating and you know people think a little bit differently about sex and dating now than you know what used to happen like i said in 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 my day and probably what you're familiar with too like you said when you're kind of seeing someone and talking and you're kind of developing you know kind of getting some of those feelings for people the assumption is well that's the only person i'm seeing i may not be sleeping with this person but i'm not sleeping with anyone else either i'm not dating anyone i'm not sleeping with anyone you know it's kind of cut off and i feel like today you just you have to kind of have that conversation like hey are you seeing anyone else? Cause I'm not, and I yeah. kind of don't want, you just have to have all those conversations and it makes it, you know, just very awkward. And poor Joe really assumed that. Yeah. Well, know, those conversations, got, yeah. Well, ahead, those conversations today too, like if you, if you have like, if you're hanging out with somebody and you're like, okay, well I'm not having sex with anybody else. And like, you're like, Hey, are you like, are we like, we're like just, you know, you and me. Right. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, <laughs> so, so those text messages and stuff that you don't answer for like a day or two, it's because you're fucking somebody else. Okay. Right. And at that point, that that relationship's probably over, right? Because like- It depends, I guess. One I mean, person obviously isn't committed. The other one was probably overcommitted and scared the other person off. Yeah. But I always just look at it as like kind of a respectful thing in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like- I never like I know how it would make me feel if like, oh my gosh, like we're hanging out every other night, we're you know, having dinner, we're talking about all these things. Yeah, we're not official, but like we're spending like ninety percent of the time with each other. And if in that ten percent you're banging somebody else, like that that just makes our time together feel less special, I guess. And I wouldn't want that reverse. Like I wouldn't want some girl that I'm hanging out with to to have that happen to her and be like, Oh, so so this isn't you're not really taking this serious, even though I might be taking it serious. Right. Like I don't but, think any piece of tail like would be worth that. True. But keep in mind, remember that this has been so we know it's been three days since he um killed Benji with the peanut oil. So this has been That's like true. a week or less. So are your feelings any different knowing that they've just kind of been talking and um, he's clearly obsessed over her, but she we can tell that she's kind of still Got lukewarm feelings. You know, she went to the whole party thing. It seemed more as like friends than a real date. So does that change your thoughts at I all? Mean, that's just I think, been a week or so? I think the her and Joe stuff, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm still not a fan of like the Tinder one night stand. Like, I don't know this guy, but I'm going to let him have sex with me mm-hmm. or even vice versa. 
Um, I've just never been that guy. Like, again, it's probably just me trying to be more traditionalist with it or like I have, mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like I'm judging anybody, but I always kind of have a higher standard of sex with somebody. Like it's not sure. just, well, you, it's not you, just a you thing. Think it's, it's more, it means more to you. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, like, yeah, it's not just a casual thing for you. Yeah, so, exactly. There's like, nothing I, wrong with that. If I can't look, let you look in my underwear drawer, but I'll let you have sex <laughs> with me. Like that's kind of like, there's something wrong there, I guess. Not wrong, but just something that I kind of like, to me, like I feel like there should be a mo- more emotion to it, and that's um, totally okay. I don't, I don't think that you're judging anyone for that. I think it's just, it's just not for you. It's yeah. not what you want to do. I mean, clearly but, you don't do that. I mean, you're married now. But yeah. I mean, like if you were single and dating or something, it just wouldn't be what you would want to do. Yeah, exactly. I like it in fun. theory. Like I think you know, whenever you think of oh, those of things, course. like obviously, like I would love to flip through Tinder and be like, hey, this me and this person match up. Yeah, we're gonna hook up tonight. Like, sure. Great. No strings attached. Awesome. But it just always feels like there's not like there's always some kind of attachment to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you have I have those con- I would have those concerns that, oh, I finally found the one. And it's like, oh, OK, so like how many people have you been with? Forty nine. Wow. That's <laughs> that's forty six more than me. <laughs> it's you know, just a uh, number. <laughs> just a number. <laughs> Don't let it intimidate you. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, that was just kind of my number four is her tender and her kind of uh, hookups, I guess. She and you know I kind of get where she's at with it if that's what she's really doing when um is it peach that kind of says you know it's fine if you if this is what you need to do to kind of get Benji out of your system is and or maybe it's Joe or peach one of them kind of says it's okay I understand if you're trying to burn your way through half the guys in Manhattan to kind of get him out of your system I totally see that way of thinking from a girl's perspective um and I totally see where Beck is doing you know kind of doing this um not so much behind Joe's back because I'm not really sure I'm kind of I almost kind of go in the same same thoughts as you that you know to me it just so it seems so casual nowadays and that's okay there's casual is great um and no commitment is great and you know I don't know that it's right for me but I think it's great and it should be celebrated totally and if that's if it works for people and you're being safe you know in a safe manner and you know you're being honest uh, uh, you know about like, um, you know, just protecting yourself and, and others and things like that and being straight about, you know, if you're exposing people to yeah. things or whatever, things like that. As long as all the, all the you know, um, boxes are checked, then I think it's totally awesome. But I'm kind of the same. You, I, I kind of, you know, I'll, I'll catch feelings. So, you know, I'm, that's what I'm afraid of. So, you know, I, I just kind of know that I put, you know, more into it. It means more to me. I, I don't know that I can just willy nilly, you know, just bang a different guy every night yeah. or whatever you know it's just it i don't know it's i don't know i can see the bit i'm like you in theory and on paper it sounds yeah. awesome yeah. <laughs> but, <I> mean, <laughs> but to actually do it i am way too shy i'm like nope i just yeah. you know can't can't do that but i i do kind of like where she's at also because she she she's kind of getting Benji out of her system, but she likes Joe enough because see, here's the thing. Here's what, and I'm I, I don't want to speak for all women, but I know like with me, I can like you know, when a guy is the one or he's going to be the maybe, or you think, oh, this guy could really be potential. You don't want to be that way with him. Just like when she got really mad about you know him, you know, yeah. Um, that's bush diving. My the- <laughs> number three is I called it public muff diving. Yeah, so. Which isn't the most romantic way to put it, obviously. But, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's definitely in 
It's always I, I, uh, so a personal story I had. So when I was younger, I mean, I've always been kind of like a, a romantic kind of person, like, you know, always mm-hmm. thinking like, you know, my my ideal relationship would have been met the girl in high school, high school sweethearts, you know, sure. married, only person I've ever been with. Obviously, life doesn't work that way. But sure. But you definitely have like situations where, you know, some people want to be a little wild and crazy. It's like, I, I don't want to be with you right now because you're the safe bet, Sean. You're the one that the, you're the guy the girl marries. Yeah. Not the one that I, they have fun with. That's the bartender. That's Benji. Yeah. And so, you know, it always kind of sucks to be that guy, which I think Joe kind of is mm-hmm. that guy because it's like, oh, no, I want to go out and have wild, crazy sex with everybody but you. Yeah. And in that situation, too, he was trying to be the guy that she thought or he thought that she wanted. She, you know, exactly. He thought she wanted that crazy lifestyle. But again, it was just kind of, I think, and again, the whole way they look in age, I think really throws me off. Like if this looked like a, and I'm not saying she looks old or anything, but they just don't really look to me like a 22, 23 year old people. They look, I think like they're mid twenties, mid to yeah. late, you know? And, yeah. And so I feel like, you know, like if you're in your early twenties, I think that's when you're like, okay, well I'm going to do these things. I'm going to try some stuff. Like, what am I? Like, that's when people drink a lot and party a little bit more. Experiment, find themselves. Exactly. What do you like? What do you don't like? But just kind of the the age vibe I get from this is kind of like, okay, I've done those things. Now I'm ready to grow up. Yeah. I guess that's kind of the other part that kind of throws me off a little bit. Yeah. Well, and I can't really speak for the age thing. I feel like I'm so, so far removed from that age bracket that I can't uh, speak for that age. That's, um, gosh. You want to feel old, go to a nightclub. <laughs> like, I was 26, so this was like five years ago, seven years. Fuck, yeah, it was seven years ago now. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm. I'm hip, right? Right? Like I'm 26. I'm not right. that old. You're down with call? it, Sean. I'm, I'm basically like a grad student. <laughs> yeah. And I walked in. I'm like, who the fuck let all these kids in here? Uh huh. They look like and, babies, don't oh, they? Yeah. And there was some girl dancing on the thing, and she kept like flashing everybody. And I was like, no, I'm done. Let's go home. I know. It's loud. I haven't been. I haven't been to one in quite some time. Our girls' nights out are not quite like what they used to be. But um, you know, I got married kind of young, um, and whenever I was, you know, I had a kid at home, and I'm married, and a lot of my friends were still young. They were still single and wanting to go out to some of the clubs. So we'd all go, and you know, I'm just, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm way too old for this stuff. Um, you know, seeing all the young people in those clubs. I haven't been to one in a pretty long time just because it's not my scene. It's not my thing. I'm an old person. And just, you know, give me a glass of wine and some Netflix and I'm a pretty happy gal. You know, you don't have to, uh, clubbing and dancing is not my thing, but yeah, totally. That nothing makes me feel older um, than that for sure. Um, But yeah, I I totally get what you're saying. I think it makes a lot of sense. I would by no means slut shame, um, Beck at all. If she wants to sleep with every guy in Manhattan, I say go for it. But I see also where she's like trying to kind of burn through some guys, get it out of her system. There is something about some some just raw casual sex that kind of gets a guy that, you know, and even though her and Benji were kind of, you know, they weren't special or anything. He certainly didn't think her to be very special. And I don't know how high regard she had him because he did cheat on her. He's, you know, got getting some random blowjobs in a bathroom or whatever. Yeah. So, but, but then as you look at that, like, was it really cheating? Cause it sounds like it was that situation we just talked about where she thought it right, was more serious casual. than he did. Yeah. 
Which, I don't know. And, I like I said, I've always like liked that I like friends with benefits and all that kind of stuff. Like I like that in theory because like again, it's no strings attached. It's just you know getting your rocks off. But and maybe it's because I've never experienced it. I don't quite understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, not understand it. Like oh my god, why would you do that? Just don't like logistically like how you couldn't get too attached or like I'd be concerned that I'd be leading somebody on and or mm-hmm. I'd be getting led on accidentally and. Um, and then even as a guy, like, I feel like just trying to like, just like go through the effort, just like, like at the bar, the dude that was like, Hey, I like your tattoo. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like he's, you know, he's said that like to thousands of girls, of course, you know, it's he's not a bartender. like, he, yeah, like he's just like throwing out a net and trying to catch anything that looks Sh- good. Sure. Which oh, again absolutely. is not my style. Like I'm not that kind of guy. Like I had girls come up to me once and be like, Hey, I like your shirt. Like, so I was wearing a turtle shirt. And I was like, kind of seeing Tiffany at the time. I'm like, cool. Like, who's your favorite turtle? <laughs> She's like Raphael. My was it just oh. like right yeah. over your head? <laughs> it's like, hey, I, I like, I don't want to lead you on. Like, I, yeah. hey, nothing's gonna happen, lady. Were <laughs> you like, no, get away from me? Yeah. I'm dating someone. Were you like, one George, of those George, George. <laughs> Tiffany walks over, is like, hey, we're not actually dating. This is our second like time hanging out. I know. There's it's hilarious. It reminds me of like so many jokes. Um, like if a guy just walks up to a girl at a bar and says hi and she's like, I've got a boyfriend. It's like yeah. you know, all I, I said was hi. <laughs> I just watched Unbreakable and that was kind of like the opening scene for that. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally get that. I, I see I see Beck's point of view. I, I applaud her for doing what she needs to do to get a guy out of her system because hey, sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes a guy, you know, you're so pissed over a guy and how he's treated you, even if it wasn't super serious, she still felt wronged, you know, in some way by how he treated her and that's how she chose to get over that. So I'm totally okay with that. And I also see where she didn't want Joe to see her that way. She didn't want him to see her as that, you know, I'm only in it for kicks. When I'm with a guy, you know, it means something to me. So I think she's able to kind of see the difference between all of these little casual hookups and kind of burn a guy out of her system, but then have someone that means something to her um, like Joe. And then you see at the end, she did delete Tinder. Yeah, that's true. She's like, oh, I think I'm really feeling something for him. I've deleted Tinder. So she did, you know, kind of feel that level of commitment there. So that's a good thing. I think as long as you're on the same page. Yeah. You just you I, have to have uh, those conversations and you got to be on the same page. Going back not, to like you said earlier, like that's just got to be so many tough conversations this day and age to be single. God, just too many conversations. It used to be easy. And yeah. <laughs> I'm just I mean, you'd be like, wait, single. why are we talking to so-and-so at their locker? Exactly. It used to be just the silly high school stuff. Yeah. Now it's it's so much more difficult. That's why I just stay home and I'm going to just stay single and I'm going to die alone uh, with my <laughs> glass of wine, Netflix and my dogs um, because dating is too damn hard and difficult nowadays. Do Screw you think, that. Just a, just a random thought kind of. Um, so like we know like the 70s was a very like sexual revolution kind of thing and the 80s it kind of like got they kind of stopped that and i don't know uh-huh. if it's because people from the 70s started growing up and not necessarily been like oh my gosh like i probably shouldn't have slept with so many people or like feel like they made mistakes but maybe a little bit of like we might we probably should have toned it down a little bit do you think we'll see that with like this tinder bumble age or do you think it's this is just the new norm that's going to continue forever i don't know it feels like everything like that kind of comes and goes and it's mm-hmm. peaks and and you know, it hits the highs and then it kind of comes down a little bit. I don't know if, um, 
you know, how, cause it feels like, you know, the free thinking with casual sex has kind of been around for a little bit. I feel like since like the mid, mid to late nineties, it feels yeah. it's just technology has made it a lot easier and has made it more, you know, easier and accessible to, you know, find people, um, you know, than just going out to, to clubs. It's like, um, you know, used to be you had to leave your house, you know, now you don't really have to leave your house. I mean, I guess you're, if you're going to go hook up, you got to meet somewhere. Somebody's leaving to meet up somewhere. But, um, you know, it used to be, you had to like physically go out of your house to, you know, if you're ever going to meet someone or if your desire is to meet someone, um, unless a hot burglar happens to come into my house, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not signed up on for anything. So that's nobody's... always my fantasy. <laughs> wait, I didn't order a pizza. Oh, wait, <laughs> you're kind of cute. Um, <laughs> So I don't know. It might. I mean, everything kind of comes and goes. So who knows? But, you know, as technology goes further and further, who knows? Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's I guess not that's my a good thing. point. Like back in the day, you had to go out and like kind of like you had to try to find somebody who's like, I just want to hook up. But like with Tinder, it's like you throw like a couple sex back and forth between 10, 15 different people. And exactly. like, all right, I'm going to go over to Joe's. What's his last name? I don't know. Mm hmm. He wears glasses. That's all yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> what was what was he calling him? T- um, tiger guy. And oh, God. <laughs> as he's looking through who she swiped at on Tinder. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next five to ten years because technology is only going to get like more advanced and better. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if people's way of thinking changes a little bit, you know, because – it's it is a lot more free now, um, I think than what it used to be, or maybe it was even more free. It's just not as it wasn't as prevalent. It wasn't as known. Maybe I don't know. Good question uh, though. Yeah. So that was my number four tender, and actually my number three too, a little bit with a public muff dive. Public muff dive. That's huh, can't say I've ever tried that. Um, <laughs> so my number three is celebrity student Blythe. <laughs> oh yes. She, She's something else. Um, okay, so, so I want to ask this because okay. I'm not 100 percent sure, and I didn't look it up, but I probably should have. Was she like, a, was she transgender, or was she? Is that known? Is that? I, I I mean I didn't get that. I I don't think so. Okay, and I don't know that it was indicated in any way that she I was going to look it up to see, but I was just curious if there was anything other. I, are you getting sound that like vibe? A, kind of, yeah. Just <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, I think whatever gender she is, or um, is is claiming herself to be, uh, or identifies with, I should say, um, she's awful. I'm I'm just going to call her a she for now. Yeah. I think that's what they were calling her in the show. Um, I don't like her, but uh, even though I don't like her, I really find it delicious that she can make Beck squirm with her insecurities. <laughs> yeah. It's, this is the, this is the person you run into in college that, you know, and she's obviously like, she talks about being like Papua New Guinea modeling mm-hmm. in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets a phone call and she starts talking in a weird language. She's like, Oh, it's my grandparents. Oh, she's just that person that totally. <laughs> and I mean, we all have probably met that person. I mean, there are probably some folks out there who have zero insecurities and uh, are really feeling good about themselves. And, and that's, 
kudos to you. I applaud you, seriously. Um, and as confident as what I can be about a lot of things sometimes, uh, maybe it's misplaced confidence, I don't know, but um, I try to be pretty confident about things because I'm a fake it till you make it kind of girl. Um, I do have some insecurities and I know I have encountered people in my life, um, not on a writing level, like they're doing, but like in maybe like a professional level, because I always felt pretty good about, you know, my job and how good, good my, I I was at my job. And, um, you know, I felt really confident about that. Now I never, ever claimed to know everything. And, you know, because in my role, there was always something new to learn every day because it was always a constantly changing type of field. But I felt pretty good about what I did know. Like I had a really good knowledge base and I felt really good about that. And then I would meet someone who was just a little bit better, and talking to that person, I'm like, oh, shit, you know, and you kind of get yourself knocked down just a little bit. I um, mean, they kind of, you know, um, hit those buttons, um, insecurities that you have. So I, I really don't know why I find joy in the fact that <laughs> back when you, I've had it done to myself just a little bit. But I just I think it's just because Beck just irritates the hell out of me that I just, you know, kind of get this little, little kick. And I know it's awful for me to say it's awful. I'm sorry. Don't judge me, people. I can't help it. It's just, it's, it's just a little funny. Um, you know, when she, when Blythe assumes that Beck is from Jersey, Beck cracks her, you know, saying (laughs) that she's from Nantucket. Um, and again, yeah, she's like, oh, and just leaves it kind of hanging like, oh, well, okay, whatever. I still think you're from Jersey is probably what she's thinking. And it cracks me up that she thinks that she's special at all, that she modeled in Japan because of her hair. That is true. Blonde hair is rare in Japan because clearly a lot of folks in Japan have that beautiful, dark Asian hair. And there's probably not a a lot of natural blondes running around. I know someone in my, uh, in my work life professionally that, um, they modeled in Japan. She's a natural blonde. And this was something I found found out several months ago. Um, we were doing like this little fun fact thing, finding like those icebreaker things that you do at work. And hers was, she modeled um, as a child in Japan. We were like, whoa, what, hmm. what's that all about? And she's like, it's really not that big of a deal. She's like, it was just because my, you know, my, I think her father was in the military and they lived, you know, on a base there. And, um, you know, she's this beautiful little blonde child, you know, and she's like, it was just my hair. She's like, anybody with blonde hair would have been unique there. So I'm kind of like, it's okay, Blythe, you know. <laughs> okay, so so good for you. You're, you're well-traveled, you're well-educated, you're well-spoken, you're a wonderful writer. Um, you're just this amazing being, but you're not so amazing just because you um, modeled in Japan because of your blonde hair. But I just found her terrible, but also kind of delicious yeah. um, to watch at the same time. What were your impressions of Blythe besides the fact that you thought she was transgender? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and she I, might be. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I probably should have looked that up before I said anything. But um, it was it was definitely kind of that same boat. Like I thought it was going to be – and I'm glad – this is one thing I, I'm glad they didn't do. Because, you know, Joe gave Beck that, like, motivation to write. And so she wrote her thing. And Mm -hmm. she didn't have time to submit it, but she brought it into that, like, reading. And I love that – and this is, like – this gave me, like, the the skin-crawly, like, college creative writing I had. Like, again, my school was super small. So, like, there's – I don't know if anybody there ended up being, like, wrote anything that ever got published. But Mm -hmm. people who, like, do that kind of just – they give off, like, that blithe. Yeah. You know, it's like like, I'm – I'm just this amazing thing. And when she shows up, she's like, all right, well, I got this. And, you know, and like, wait, we have to read that now. Mm-hmm. And I love that she was like, well, I just have to let you know I have this like tick where I can't hide what I'm thinking. <laughs> this facial autism thing. <laughs> and, and that totally cracked me up. Totally. And I laugh 
laughed really hard at that because like I cannot say a word, but my face is going to give me away oh, every yeah. time because my I I probably shouldn't say I don't have a poker face. I can have a poker face <laughs> if I must. If I'm in a serious game of poker, forget it. You ain't reading me. But I can, you know, and I'm just having conversations with people and somebody says something kind of shocking or unbelievable and I may not say a word, but my face. You'll have that look, yeah. Yeah, my face is going to say it all like, excuse me or what the hell did you just say or are you kidding yeah. me? And I'm just kind of curious what what that's going to play out in this, if this is just kind of like a one-off type thing or if we're going to see more of Blythe. Well, I would hope that having someone like Blythe, this is what people like Blythe, if if you have someone in your life that's like really touching um, all of your insecurities like she seems to be doing with Beck, I know that she had questioned it because she's like asking Joe, like, do you think that I'm unremarkable? She's feeling really insecure about her writing and her writing skills and the things that she has to say and who wants to read what Beck has to say. Um, And that's perfectly normal and natural. Um, But I would hope that she would take this moment with, with Blythe encountering her and channeling that into her writing and and making herself a good writer. Because I think that's when you're kind of presented with, you know, it gives you a little, it's like, you can see it as kind of like, I love competition. I'm extremely competitive. If I've got someone, you know, kind of coming in that can do my job almost as good or even better than I can, well, that's going to make me up my game and I'm going to come out on top. I'm going to beat them, find a way to beat them. Even if I have to, I guess, beat them in the head with a mallet like Joe does with Benji. Uh, (laughs) Like, you are not going to be better than me in my job. Whack. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, you know, it, that I feel like a good competition, good competitive nature uh, can really bring out the best in people. So I would hope that Beck is able to kind of go that route um, when being confronted with life. Maybe this is the kick in the pants that, that Beck needs. Maybe. I'm always curious with that. Like artistically, though, I feel like that can definitely like it's with, with stuff that's artistically creative, like mm-hmm. you could get a hundred compliments and every one of those you get, you're going to be like, no, that's just, that's somebody doing me self-service. Mm-hmm. And that one person that says, wow, your stuff sucks. You're like, yeah. And I think it's all about your like um, self-esteem or not your self-esteem, kind of your, uh, well, no, probably is self-esteem, just kind of what you think of yourself. And if you get that, you're like, yeah, I suck. I'm going to, I'm leaving New York. Like I'm going to go do something else. And <clears> she could end up being a great writer. You know, maybe that's true. Maybe it, it, it's different in a creative aspect. I totally get that because, you know, we would we could get a hundred awesome reviews from amazing listeners that take the time to go and review and leave us a great review. Um, but man, somebody says something stinky um, and not so nice or negative. And boy, that just sticks in my craw. Um, yeah, it's, it's I, hard to not focus on that. I just don't even care. Like anymore, it's like you get a bad one. It's just like, eh, whatever. Like, it's the internet. That's the thing with the internet. There's so many people out there just want to troll. I know. I know. Uh, Trust me. I have gotten way past that. But in the beginning, it hit me hard. Like like I said, I had all this, you know, insecurity about even opening myself up uh, to to do a podcast, to to put yourself out there and to put your thoughts and feelings out there. And then to, you know, that was really hard because I wasn't used to that. I'm not, you know, I mean, I can be a creative person and I could write and stuff, but I never... You know, as far as like getting published in your school newspaper or, you know, just some like little silly local things, it's not like I ever, you know, was going to really write or do something creative and put it out to the world where a bunch of people were going to judge it like that. Um, So it it is a lot different. Um, But yeah, I've 
definitely got past that. I don't care the negative things people say. If people want to be assholes, then they can go be assholes. Um, <laughs> I love all the wonderful things that people have said about us because um, it's it's reciprocated. I love all of them. But that's my number three is Celebrity Student Blythe. Okay. Yeah. And we already did my number three. So if you want to jump into your number two. Going to talk about my number two. I want to talk a little bit about Peach in this episode. Yeah. Uh, okay. Peaches. Let's call her Peaches. You want to call her Peaches? Like <laughs> jo- <does>. Joseph. <laughs> Joseph. Hi, Joseph. Um, I got to get her her little, um, the way she enunciates and how she speaks. I'd like to, yeah. I'm going to get I that down. I love that. There's a, there's a, a friend of Tiffany's who, whose grandmother's kind of like a little bit like kind of that, um, not well, well, I guess well-to-do would probably be okay. Highborn. Proper. You know, like when she mm-hmm. talks with her uh, with her son, she's like, Jonathan, Jonathan, did you do what you needed to do, Jonathan? Uh, and that's what I get from her. She's like, Joseph? Yes. Joseph? Gosh, I guess if I practiced, I could probably do that. I am so redneck, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so white trash and redneck. Hey, I Joey. Just, <laughs> I Joey, did you get it done? <laughs> I don't think I could do it. Um, and my... Peaches. Uh, so peaches. Very, yeah. Let me let, let me hear what you have to say about peach. So peaches. peach in this episode, you know, she is banging down the door when Beck and Joe kind of start to have their moment. You know, he's she's had just told this story about her dad and he learns this true story about the red ladle um, and realizes that he misunderstood the entire time and feels like he's really kind of understanding her. And so they have this wonderful moment. Um, on her brand new bed and there's a banging on the door with peach. So I, I'm thinking, uh, that her bladder issue was really stemming, stemming from her trying to get between Beck and Joe, you know, Beck said that she told peach that Joe was coming over. Cause she's like, Oh, hi, Joseph. I didn't know that you were going to be here. And Beck's like, um, I told you he was coming over. Um, That was pretty suspicious to me as well. Yeah. So I'm thinking peach, it's it's like just screaming at the top, like so many hints. If you really start to put things together, you can tell that she's got the hots for back. And I think that, you know, and it's fine. I, I She ought to just maybe come clean about it, but it's probably kind of scary to do that. Um, but I think that, and I think like when they were talking about um, the dick pics on the cell phones that they have and stuff, just how Peach was talking about them. I think clearly she's a lesbian or she's into girls or whatever. And I think that it just screams that she's totally into Beck. And I didn't buy that whole thing for a second. And I think that when she was telling Beck that she needs someone to care for her, you know, cause she's like, oh, well, Joe is poor, you know, and you need mm, someone who's going to yeah. care for oh, you. Yeah, good point. You know, I really think she's talking about herself. So I want to, I want to get your thoughts. Cause I think you have some, I think, yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, when she was talking about the dick pics, like, I just thought that was like how all girls feel about dick pics because, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things like they're not very attractive. Male penises all kind of look the same. Um, so I, I am not a lesbian, um, but I do have to agree with what Peach said to a point. I don't find just a disembodied penis attractive. Yeah. I, I, it does nothing for me. Um, I'll admit, I've taken some pictures, and I'm like, I'll send that to t- – no. Like, I'm disgusted looking at this. <laughs> just just don't even do it. So if if it's the – like, if there's more to it, if if 
you know, I think the male body can, you know, it's like the female body can be a beautiful thing, but just that is not, it's not, it doesn't do anything personally, at least for me, it's not going to get me excited. It's like what she says. It's like, if they think that this can replace foreplay in some way, you know, that's, that's kind of what's wrong. That's so just one of so many things wrong. Like with today's, you know, young culture that, you know, oh, this is like a cool thing to do is send, you know, send dick pics and just think that girls are going to get all excited about it. And I'm yeah. not this one. Um, no, don't send me any because it's just going to completely do the opposite. Um, <laughs> just delete, 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 you know, block, block, block. Um, have zero interest in uh, But I think that if there was more to it attached, you know, sure. You know, if you got the whole package, yeah. you know, um, and not just that, you know, then, okay, well, uh, God, please don't send me any pictures. Please do not hack and find <laughs> out what my number is and send me pictures or message me anything. I don't want to see it. It's fine. Um, I think it's, again, it kind of goes back to the conversation we had earlier, but I think it's one of those things where, because... Uh, Richard and I did a whole episode on um, quick story on it, but his wife went out and she was just kind of having like a good time at a bar and like she was talking with some guy and like a group of their friends and as they were leaving, she was intoxicated. So she, she's like, like the motherly instincts kicked in. So she's like, oh, well, just, you know, text me when you get home so I know you made it. Mm-hmm. And so the guy text was like, hey, I made it home. And she's like, great. Next thing he sends is a dick pic. <gasps> like obviously probably okay? knew, yeah, knew she was married. <laughs> And like to me, it's like he sent that. Like I'm, I'm bet he sent it to like ten people he talked to that night, oh, hoping wow. that one of the ten sent him something back. Like I think that's the guy's <laughs> logic. It's like oh, putting out some feelers. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the bartender. It's like hey, I'll send him a picture of this, and maybe I'll see some boobies. Wow. See yeah. who I just I don't get that at all. Um, I don't know. It's mm. Maybe like I said, I'm old. Maybe it's just my way of thinking. But it's, I don't know, some girls, clearly some girls like it. Those other two of her yeah. friends just thought, oh, it's great. Them. Yeah, this is my Guggenheim, one of them <laughs> says. You know, that's great. If it does it for you, that's great. But I think unsolicited, it's it's a I've, no-no. I feel like all guys have to know, like, just like that, like she was categorizing them, not because they're sexy, because she's making fun of them. It's true. She is putting, like, oh, there, there's boomerang and, you know. <laughs> I'd hate to think of all the different categories that she has. And yeah. I'm thinking, geez, how many do you have in your phone that have been sent to you that like you are categorizing them? Um, I have to ask Tiffany what I'd categorize mine as. Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> you just keep that to yourselves. Um, but yeah, I've, you know, not that I have any in my phone or have had any sent to me, but I have had them shared with me from girlfriends and, oh, my God, look at, look at what got sent to me and oh my god okay why why is is this happening but anyway that's my number two is peach i think that she's really doing what she can she sees beck getting closer and starting to catch some feelings for joe she really just can't handle that she's trying to keep her i think with like some you know, she was introducing her to uh, like some rich guys at parties, but I think that she knows that those aren't really the right guys for for Beck. That's why she steers them to Beck because she's like, I know you're not really going to fall for this guy, and I can still have point. you to myself. Um, but she, if she actually catches feelings for Joe, well, then that's a threat to Peach um, and her ever really having an opportunity to be with Beck herself. Um, so that's that's what I think she's got going on. 
anyway. I like that theory. I'm kind of curious to see that play out. Well, we're only three episodes in. We got a bunch more to go. So hopefully we see see what comes out of that. But what's your number two? So my number two is simply titled People, They're Easy to Fool. So we see Joe use Paco to go and get some of the stuff that he didn't want to get personally, just Mm because I don't think he wanted to get seen doing it. Sure. And he shows up and uh, Paco's, not only stepdad, but a dude that's living there. boyfriend, yeah. Sees that and like, and to me too, like if my kid's going, or my girlfriend's kid is going around and getting like duct tape and like different kinds of like stuff that doesn't look right, like I would be concerned about that too. Yeah. It's just like... Any of these stories, it's like, in a way, that guy is right. Like, something's not right about Joe. I know. How weird is it that the asshole neighbor is yeah. got the is the one that's got Joe pegged? But Joe is like, he's just such a good schemer mm-hmm. because he's like, well, it'd just be easier if I show you. And, I, and like, in my mind, I'm like, what the fuck are you going to show him, Joe? Like, yeah. obviously, he's not going to show him the back of the car. But he goes to the back and is like, oh, yeah, I'm just trying to plant a garden back here. And this is what all these things would do. And completely turned it around on that guy because he says something about like, you know, I really I was just giving the kid money because he's always hungry. Like, I don't want to say they're unfit because it's not my place. And like, you know, of course, that makes the guy aggressive and the cops step in and and like instantly turns anything that the cops would have had a suspicion on him on the the guy that's been in his way. And he's already said, I'm filing that as future problem. And he's taking care of future problem right now. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a really interesting exchange. I don't, I, and I'm like you, I totally get uh, his feelings for that. If you see your, either your son steps in or your, the person that you're seeing their child, um, they are kind of like Joe said, it's like, oh, it's like the standard list for serial killers, right? Yeah. You got all this stuff. So, I mean, it is suspicious. I would be like, what the hell is all this stuff for? Um, and I would at least question it. I don't know if I'd call the cops um, necessarily. This guy just happens to be your special kind of asshole, I think, in my opinion anyway, um, to, to do that. Um so, yeah, it's like Joe said. He said, uh, people believe whatever supports their worldview. Yeah. And that's exactly what he did. He just was like, hey, I'm just your everyday good guy just trying to do this garden. He was able to – now, whether or not he already had that in the back of his mind, like if I that's get I caught ask. with this stuff, like if I get caught with this in my trunk, if I get caught with this in my apartment, you know, does he – have a a plan of explanation. Like it's okay if I get called out with duct tape or get called out for having this or that because I do this over here. Yeah. He's a, he's a guy I feel like right now he's playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. Like I don't think he just improv this situation. Like I think he's like, okay, if I get caught with this, this is what I'm going to do. I've got a story. Unlike mm-hmm. Bundy, who gets caught with a crowbar and a mask, and <laughs> thinking of all these other things he got yeah. caught with when he got ah. pulled over from his VW bug. That it's I like, need to finish that documentary, but uh. oh, do it! It's only like four episodes. Okay, I, I thought it was just like a one, like one hour long thing. I didn't realize it was four episodes. Yes, I didn't realize that either. I thought it was one, and then yeah, it's four. It's four episodes, but they're pretty quick. You know, most of them get through pretty quick, and when one ends, you're ready to kind of jump in. Not that we're saying that Joe's a serial killer, but um, Jeffrey Dahmer had mm-hmm. a very similar situation happen. Um, yeah. I don't know how familiar you are with his, but basically one very. of the guys he was trying to drug escaped. Mm-hmm. And him and uh, – he basically caught the guy in the alley. But the cops like were like, what the fuck's going on here? And during that time frame, he's like, oh, yo – because I think he was naked at the time too. He was naked, yeah. And delirious. He's like, oh, sorry. Like, And the cops were like, ho, ho, ho. We were just in the apartment drinking, having yeah. a time. Couple gay guys, ho, 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 ho. 
Yeah. And that was, I don't think that was very late or very early. Wait, no. It was like midpoint and all the stuff that he did. So it's like that situation if a cop kind of jumped in and did something, like could have yeah. saved was, a bunch of people. He was very already pretty well established in his in his killing ways. And if he had been caught at that point, he would have had that evidence, you know, of what they found later in his apartment yeah. as far as the evidence of the men that he killed um, and, and tortured um, and dismembered and all the despicable um, things that he did to his victims yeah. would have been there in his apartment. And like you said, could have saved, could have saved all of them, but could have prevented some others. I don't remember, you know, where this was exactly in the number of his victims, but there were more to come after that one. So yeah, it's, um, but it suits, what but Jeffrey said, Dahmer like, did not look like your typical, that's again, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of like, Oh, I'm just a friendly guy. So they're like, Oh yeah, he's just a friendly guy. You know, they're just having a good time. Just got a little out of hand and, you know, just let let them be on their way, and they saw what they wanted to see. Yep, and then, like I said, that time period's like, well, we really don't want to interrupt in two guys having like gay sex. Like that's weird, right? Mm. Yeah, that's weird. All right, let's just let's do let's go do something else. Yeah, it was definitely a different time in our culture, you know, where you know people you know could be out and and be gay and and live their lifestyle, but at the same time. Um, it wasn't as um, tolerated, I guess, or, mm. you know, people really just didn't want to, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah, we don't want to get in the middle of that. So they just kind of let it go. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, my number two is just kind of people, they're easy to fool. They are. And, and people see what they want to see. And, mm-hmm. and that is, a, you know, if you're watching and that's not giving anything away because if you know anything about Ted Bundy, it's kind of the same thing. People just saw this, you know, smart, intelligent white guy and... They're like, well, he's just a nice guy. He's just charming. He's just nice. And it took how long to finally catch him? I mean, people were even, one of his former girlfriends were even like saying, I know who you're looking for. This is Ted. This is who you're looking for. And they still were like, eh, he's he's such a nice guy. (laughs) No, he's not. Look what he did. (laughs) Look what the horrible things he did to those women. Um, Anyway, really good documentary, by the way. all right, so that was my number two. Did we get your, to your number two? Yep, that was my number okay. two. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, the creepy. So your number one. My number one. Uh, who's Joe? Joe is old, rare, leather-bound books, apparently. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a... Uh... Take a trip, you know, to to the, you know, creepy murder basement. Yeah. So Beck can get to know the real him. And I was, I was she, waiting for her to step in, like, the goo. You know what? That's another thing I talked earlier about, you know, what the hell did Joe think was going to happen with Benji rotting for three days? Um, I don't care how good your air conditioner system is. Something's going to start happening at some point. Yeah. Um, and it did. He, The dude was leaking. Uh, so his car stinks. Um, and the base, I'm thinking, doesn't the basement still have to smell even if he's not in there? I mean, I feel like that yeah. smell does not go away overnight. Um, and I have I would never, feel like that would seep up into the attic, the actual bookstore, too. Man, I feel well, I know you said it was like soundproof, but they didn't seem to indicate that anything was smelling upstairs, like when the power was out. And you know, um, um, oh goodness, the uh, bookstore clerk, um, Ethan, Ethan, good job. Um, you know, they didn't seem to indicate they could really smell anything when they called saying that the power was out. But I don't know. I think if if he had been left a little bit longer, he would have. But anyway, yeah, I was thinking that same thing. Like, isn't 
that smell kind of in there or what man i don't know maybe febreze just got really good i don't know <laughs> he's got a bunch of those febreze wall outlets <laughs> plug-ins all, all over the place <laughs> pine, well i mean the, the, i guess the pine if, there's air old, <laughs> yeah, if there's a lot of old books there too maybe that kind of covers it up so maybe i don't know but you know he takes back down to the creepy murder basement because she's and she has a good point she's like you know it's like i feel like i'm telling you about myself or, and I'm trying to figure out who I am, but I don't know who you are and I want to get to know you. Um, and he's really touched by that. Um, and only the way Joe can be and, um, wants to take her, um, he's like, well, you know, let me tell you who I am. So it's like, okay. Um, he takes back down to his creepy murder basement and he's saying that this is his personality. Um, and I want, want to get your view. Do you think that like at least from Beck's point of view, because she doesn't see what we see. She doesn't hear all of his thoughts and she doesn't know his ways and obsessions. She sees it from the outside. Do you think that everything that he was telling her um, about himself and comparing himself to books and like, you know, these, you know, books are more to me than, than people and, you know, just all the things that he was saying. Do you think from Beck's point of view, that's kind of like old school romantic and sweet or, um, kind of weird and creepy and over the top and that she should be like immediately running from the basement. <laughs> um, I mean, if you're looking at like, like I said, I think if you, if this is kind of like Tucker and Dale versus evil to me, Tucker and Dale versus evil, you watch the movie, it's a comedy, mm-hmm. but there's a cut of that movie where it's a horror movie. Okay. And I feel like this whole TV series, you could recut it and it would be like a rom-com type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like in that moment, it's, it's more of kind of like, he's a little, eccentric and kind of over the top with his, you know, saying he's like an old, you know, leather bound book. Mm-hmm. But I think she probably sees something as like uh romantic about that. Right. That's kind of um, what I was getting. I I think that I, I was reading some different viewpoints and people were kind of like, my God, Beck, run from the damn basement. You know, if any guy takes you down to a basement, but I'm like, I don't know if you, I think, you know, if you, if you're looking at it from her point of view, she doesn't know what we know. Yeah. And I mean, how many times have you like went on a date with somebody or like you went to their house or like you were in their car? The last thing you're thinking is like, oh, my God, this guy's a serial killer. Well, I I think that because that's a good point. (laughs) I actually probably do, too. But I mean, it's I've seen way too many serial killer documentaries, (laughs) way too many um, true crime stories. (laughs) I think everyone is out to get me. (laughs) But that's me. A good point. That's probably safer than what you. What you. All right, that's the safe way to look at I'm it. I'm still alive to podcast about this stuff versus you know I'm not. Um, you know I'm I'm not laid to waste somewhere. Um, no no serial killers taking advantage of me yet. <laughs> so anyway, but I, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think from Beck's perspective, you can cut her a little bit of slack for kind of falling for for that, and of course that I think is what kind of leads to. Um, the the nice little moment when Joe shows up at her apartment and the moment Brings happens. Pancake mix. Pancake mix. She's got the ladle. Mm. Let's make some pancakes. Um, yeah, that that moment. You know, I feel. I'll, I mean, I'll just say I I don't want to get too vulgar with it or anything or cross the line or anything. Um, but um, to me. You know, I, I just all I thought was poor Joe when this yeah. when this moment happened. So this is my number one. Okay. It's, it's I just did you just because so. <laughs> 
you know, Joe shows up and, you know, they had been fooling around like that day or a few days before. So like she's yeah. already kind of like they've already kind of like gotten stuff going. Sure. And, uh, you know, it. I've, I don't know if I've ever seen this in like a, a movie moment that was like straight for comedy. Because like that's a very realistic moment. Like it is, you know, a guy who probably hasn't done anything in a while is with a very super attractive, you know, woman. Mm-hmm. You get in bed and you're getting ready to do it. Like obviously, if that happens a lot, like all the time, then that's like the guy has issues, probably like some kind of performance issues. Sure. But that moment, you're like, no, no, wait, like, let's wait an hour and try it again. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. I just had to get, you know, just <laughs> right. as a guy, like, and like, I, you know, this. I've never been in a situation like Joe's <laughs> where it's happened that quickly. But my wife is smoking hot and. So you understand the situation. I understand it. Yes. Right. Um, well, and that's what I thought. I was thinking the same thing. Um, clearly, I'm on the other side of things. I'm not a man, so I can't say I've had that exact same thing happen to me. But to me, I'm with you. To me, it was one of the realest moments that yeah. I've seen in a show for a long time. I feel like sometimes you see, you know, these people who, you know, you're watching a show, uh, movie or TV, whatever, and, you know, these two people who are really hot for each other and it's their first time together. And, it doesn't always go like it does here, but you're kind of like, well, that doesn't seem very real. Yeah. I feel like things are a little bit more spiced up and and things are more hurried, you yeah. know, we'll say. Um, sex is awkward, and that would have been – that's like, that's a is. very awkward moment. It is, um, and that's what I liked about it. It was true. It was genuine. I feel that that does happen. And because, you know, he's been – Joe has been obsessing about her yeah. constantly. Like she has legit been at the forefront of his mind every – single decision and thought in his head since he has met her at that bookstore has been about her and he is so obsessed with her he fantasizes about her and so when the time finally you know that moment finally gets there and he just loses himself yeah and it's like well yeah of course he does i to me it makes perfect sense i mean i feel Terrible for the poor guy. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of know where, and Beck's like, oh my God, does this happen all the time? Um, clearly, no. Most times, for most guys, it does not happen every single time. I think it's only when maybe it's been a little while, you're really hyped up, you're really yep. turned on in the moment. Um, and I can almost see it kind of flattering from a girl's perspective. Like, oh wow, he yep. was so hot for me that he just could not. Yeah. hold back and you know i i would think it it's almost kind of flattering if it happens the one time or if it's just you if it happens yeah, with if, every single person then like you yeah. said there might be a little bit of an issue but i see it as kind of flattering i think she should be kind of flattered you know in in, in that moment um but i, I well, felt for the poor guy for sure i mean that's what's interesting because like the two guys she hooked up with like it was very like wild and like you know throwing them all over like the bedroom kind of thing and like those seem like those seems like Skinamax versions sure. of what sex really is, you know, yeah. it's, um, as much, unless I'm doing it wrong, but <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, you also have a toddler, which, That's you true. know, maybe That's prevents, prevents you guys from being as wild as what you, I mean, yeah. maybe it's not at every kind of thing, every time kind of thing, but having children, um, certainly does limit sometimes, at least in, when you're home or when the child is home. Yeah. Um, 
opportunities yeah. don't always present themselves in a wild type manner. So, <laughs> um, but no, I, I agree with you. Like I felt bad for him in that moment. Um, I laughed out loud when it happened mm-hmm. because I think as a guy, like I would assume every guy like understands that situation. Totally sympathize. Oh it, yeah. Cause it's like a fear. Even if it hasn't happened to you, you're scared it's going to happen oh, to you. Right. I, but, but how many guys have you heard talk about? I was like, oh my gosh, like when we're like making love or making it, making love, when we're, you know, <laughs> making it. Like the thought I had, like I was like, oh my gosh, this is so hot. I had to start thinking about baseball or my yes. grandma. Like, you know, th- there's always those stories of people doing it to try and prolong it because, like, it was the first time we started doing it and, like, it was just so freaking hot. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you wanna, you wanna perform well. Yeah. And, uh, and, and unfortunately, that ruins the, the moment for you. Because instead of focusing on like enjoying everything going on, you're trying to prolong it. And when and your thoughts it does are elsewhere. happen, yeah. And when it does happen, you're like, oh, fuck, okay. That, that didn't even feel good. It's just we're moving on now and you probably think I'm a chump, but. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And didn't they, clearly, I don't get, and this doesn't seem like Joe's type of movie. He seems just way too, you know, sophisticated and he loves books. But didn't they kind of teach that in something about, you know, there's something about Mary um, there's there's uh, a scene when he's getting no, ready to yeah. go on his first date with Mary, Good and his, point, his yeah. friend tells him he's like, "Dude, you can't. That's like a loaded weapon. You can't yeah. just go out. You can't go out with a loaded weapon. <laughs> no, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you gotta. gotta what do you say? Empty I'm the not, chamber. Yeah, I'm not. Like I'm that. not gonna repeat. I've said enough. <laughs> I've just went way too far in this conversation, and um. But yeah, it's like if you know that's gonna happen, if you know you're reared up, you know. Let's take some of this the stress out of the situation. Um, but I felt for the poor guy. I'm like, yeah, I thought that was a total genuine moment. thought it was a real moment. Felt sympathy for the poor guy. Um, and poor Beck is like, um. Yeah. I'm curious what that conversation is going to be like in the next episode. If it if it's, I mean, it's going to be touched upon, I think. But is it, do we see the second or third time in next episode? Or does that, is, is she the kind of girl's like, oh, this is what this dude is. Okay, I'm moving on. Well, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> You don't want to, you want to give him a chance to kind of like that never happens or, you know, that's not like that's all the time. Give her some kind of like reassurance. And, you know, he's a young, healthy guy. Most young, healthy guys, as long as they don't have anything physical, you know, wrong with them that, you know, they're unable to. Most guys are usually raring to go pretty quickly. They can kind of circle back pretty quick. You know, uh, give them 10, 15 minutes. And, <laughs> <you know? laughs> That's what I've read. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying I watch a lot of Cinemax. That's that's my reference <laughs> material. <laughs> that's what I'm going off of. But anyway, um, that I guess that was both of our number ones there, wasn't it? Yep. Uh, okay. And I don't really have any other notes. So uh, if you have any other notes. Um, the only other note that we haven't already talked about, just something that kind of annoyed me just a little bit. Um, if Beck is so damn broke, why the hell is she is she at some fancy furniture place buying a bed? Yeah, that's a good point. I was kind of curious about that too, because when he was talking about that, I thought he was going to buy it for. Mm-hmm. But, damn, that's yeah. a hell of a gift for not knowing for someone for too long. Damn, someone buy me a bed. Yeah, um, I know Tiff and I were like dating for like two or three months, and she needed a new laptop for school. And I did buy that for her. So I kind of <gasps> understand that. Dang, Sean. Yeah. Look at you. You are yeah. a romantic. Look at you buying a brand new laptop a couple months into a relationship. And I know you didn't skiv on that because you're a tech gadget guy. Yeah, it was, so it's a pretty good rig. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, well. Well, I was just thinking, I'm thinking, damn, girl, put your mattress on the floor. Uh, you know, just get rid of that bed frame, toss it out, and just put the damn uh, mattress on the floor or your box springs in your mattress on the floor and let it go. Um, I, I kind of like that look. It's, I say, way more struggling artist, you know, than the setup that she already had. Or you can even get like a, a really cute headboard uh, from Amazon or Wayfair. You know, and and just slap a, a headboard up at the front of it, even if you didn't have a frame to go with it. And I think it really was just the frame that broke out of that yeah. thing. If if the frame was still somewhat decent, and it was the headboard that broke, well, you can get a new headboard, and the frame is fine. Most most of them are standard size. You know, the you know queen will fit a queen, and you know whatever. When if you get a new, she headboard. was getting like a whole new mattress set too. Like she wasn't just getting the bed frame. Yeah, I, I think she got the whole whole thing: the frame, uh, the headboard, and the mattress. It, is what it looked asked, like. Because she couldn't decide. Because she's like, I don't know if I need a king or a queen. And he's like, Well, a king would not fit in your place. It's hilarious. And she's like, How do you know that? He covered well, himself really well. Oh, yeah. He's done that a couple times. Yeah, had to, had to. And he's actually pretty accurate um, as well. There's not too many unless you are you have a lot of money and you have a very large townhouse, penthouse, something like that, mm. or apartment. Um, your bedroom is not big enough <laughs> <laughs> for if you have just a traditional type of apartment like Joe or Batcaz, you definitely don't have room uh, for a king size. But anyway, that was just kind of an annoyance of Mike. I'm thinking, you are so damn broke or claim to be broke. Why are you at some fancy furniture place? This was not, you know, a cheap place. Um, so that was kind of annoying. So that was all the notes that I had that I can tell. So we have some feedback this week. We have a voicemail from our good friend, Steve Brown. Hey, Rim and Sean, it's Steve and, uh, <laughs> I had this whole thing that I was going to start. I was going to be like, hey, you, let's talk about you, maybe. But it just didn't sound <laughs> I think it just didn't there. Um, I think that sounded real good. This one was interesting. We hear or we see Joe's reaction to the dead body. So it seems like he's never done this before. But at the same time, he has just a level of thought process to it that maybe he has and I, I still we don't know about Mr. Mooney we don't know about Candace and it, it is a little a little strange um his character uh the the character of Blythe seems very pretentious and I, I would agree with Peach on that even though uh I don't like Peach as a person I don't know she seems that's another she's another character that I think I go back and forth on She's in one sense, she seems like I think uh, Sean or someone brought up last week that she seems to be she's got a little bit of an attraction to Beck and maybe something going on there or want something to go on there. But then at the same time, she knows Joe, but she doesn't know Joe. It's just really weird. And so there's there's some things that I'm not following that maybe. I guess as the series goes on, we'll probably learn more about it. And he he just seems he he was so good, like with the cops and stuff, and and but then with the body. So I don't know. I'm I'm confused about this this guy Joe and uh, what you know he. I don't know. So it's it's interesting. I'm I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Uh, that last scene uh, did have me chuckling. Uh, a little bit, but uh, uh, <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Talk to you later. 
Oh, that's awesome, Steve. It's funny. I've heard now two guys say that they laughed when they saw that. I really thought you guys would be more cringing, like, oh, we're so uh, sorry, dude. I think it's kind of the uh, you laugh or you'll cry kind right. of scenario. So. Okay. Okay. I got that. Um, I felt for the guy. That's for sure. I laughed, but I was kind of like, oh. Yeah. I feel for you. I'm not even a guy. I can't say I've had that happen to me, but um, I feel for you, man. Um and, and yeah, I get what you're saying, Steve, as far as Peach. I feel like in one moment I could almost like her, um, but in another she kind of does something that's just kind of distasteful or whatever. And and I don't know, maybe maybe if she does have those feelings, which I think that she does, I think it's becoming more and more revealing as we get further, um, even just in three episodes that she has feelings for Beck. And, um, you know, I think that's why she kind of does some of the things that she does, um, not always in a right way, but... I don't know. I think she's starting to become a little suspicious of Joe there, too. Mm-hmm. The whole book thing. So I don't know. See what happens. But we had some, that, that was a really great voicemail. Thank you so much, Steve. Kind of light on the feedback this week. I don't know. We got some folks dropping off. I need some feedback, people. You got to let us know what you think about this show because I am so intrigued that I need to know what others think as well. So please be sure to write in. But thank you. Do you think it would would help if we let him out of the book basement? Or do you think? (laughs) Maybe it it would. I thought I gave him the Wi-Fi password, but maybe I didn't. Maybe they, maybe I misspelled something on there. Maybe we need to do that. We need to make sure, and then yeah, let them have some access um, from our murder basement, <laughs> so people can write in and let us know. That's what's happening to all of our listeners. We're locking them up one by one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's happening. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much for the feedback, Steve. I really enjoy it. All right, so next week we'll be covering the fourth episode from Netflix TV show You titled The Captain. So the scripture for this episode is, After an awkward evening with Beck, Joe discovers he's not the only one keeping secrets. Peach's antagonistic approach to Joe intensifies. Dun, dun, dun. Um, we're, we are really excited for you to follow us into the book basement, but until then you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. And you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like House Podcastica, which Game of Thrones is going to be here before we know it, at podcastica.com. So go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and all the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. Yeah, I was just on the last um, episode, uh, The Broken Man on House Podcastica. So check out yeah, me and Kristen on that Next one. week's episode, I will be guest starring as we do <laughs> Battle of the Bastards. I know we were talking about that. Now, whether or not we were recording when we were talking about that, I don't remember. But we were talking about that. I was so damn jealous that you could do Battle of the Bastards. Gosh, damn it. It is such a good show. I'm so jealous. I want to hear all. I can't wait to hear you guys talk about it. So definitely check out House Podcastica because, hey, folks, Game of Thrones comes back April 14th. Um, oh, it's going to be here soon. I'm so freaking excited. Oh, my God. I'm so I'm so pumped and sad at the same time because I get really excited thinking, oh, my God, it's almost back. But then you think, oh, my God, then that's the final season. And it makes me really uh, sad. Don't get too sad, though, because we got prequels coming. The it's prequels true. are coming. I'm so. hoping the prequels. Yeah, they start shooting, I think, this summer. So Nice. So that, maybe next year? 
hope maybe next year, hopefully around the time that Game of Thrones would have come back, if it, if there was another season, that then they'll be rolling out the prequels. So hopefully it will be a pretty steady movement towards getting those out to help supplement what we're missing from Game of Thrones. So yeah, Game of Thrones is coming back, guys. And House Podcastica is doing um, a rewatch. Um, and it currently is spoiler um, filled because it is a rewatch. But Kristen and all of, uh, gosh, I've been on there. Sean's been on there. Kristen always has a great um, group of people that she has uh, co-host. So go check them out. Um, and speaking of great podcasts, because we know we have lots of great podcasts on Podcastica, but make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday like clockwork. Oh, yeah. And this is going to be a special one. I think I mentioned it last week, but we're doing our Ode to Our Wives series. Um, and Richard's oh, yes. going to be doing his, or not doing his wife. That sounded better <laughs> than a minute. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be recording Richard's Ode to His Wife uh, this Sunday, or it comes out this Sunday. The X-rated podcast. <laughs> Jeez. I'm not on that episode, trust me. We're not that close. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, oh my gosh, that's I'm awesome. not the Joe in that relationship not- watching outside. Gotcha. I gotcha. Oh my goodness, uh, that's hilarious. That's really exciting. Uh, well, we already know how you went above and beyond for your lovely wife and uh, how much romantic you are. So I can't wait to hear that episode from you guys. That'll be super fun. <clears throat> All right. Well, that's our show, episode 76, maybe. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm. Oh, I ended prematurely. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm Sean. (laughs) (laughs) And Derek Whitfield is strange indeed.